Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Every Arkansas Podcast. I'm Drew Davis, and this week I've got my friend Ron Hale. Ron has got a passion for the prisoners across Arkansas. I know you're going to enjoy his story. Mr. Hale, thank you for taking the time to thank you. hang out with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I actually was born in Chicago, and uh, my mom and dad were both from Arkansas. And when dad retired, we moved to Arkansas. I was 14, and uh, I can remember as a kid, because we'd come visit Arkansas, I said, when are we going to move to Arkansas? I, I love <laughs> Arkansas, still do. <laughs> don't miss Chicago. No, don't miss it. Been back <laughs> there a couple times, but not back enough cuff to know that this is where I want to be. Well, and before we got started, you said you used to work with the trains? I used to work for the railroad, retired from the Union Pacific, uh, with their 40 and a half years, and uh, retired, be September be 12 years, been retired. Retired young then, right? Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I like to say that. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your passion. What, what, what kind of God created you for? I just, uh, I got saved August 8th, 1968, and uh, Shortly after that, it just like God just, uh, man, I just had a heart to, to reach people. Um, while living in Chicago, I can remember on a couple of occasions, uh, the police coming to the house and taking my brother to, to jail. And and we never even discussed it. I remember my mother begging and crying. And so when God called me to, uh, to the ministry in, in the prisons, not only do I think about the inmates, but I think about families. I think about the the fathers, the mothers, the, the wives, the, what, the husbands, kids that are impacted by their incarceration. And so it's more than just going to talking to inmates. It's it's thinking about those families. If their lives be turned around, uh, eventually they'll get out, most of them, and uh, and they'll have hopefully they'll have a new life with Jesus. What was that like having a sibling that? I mean, most of us look at our siblings as, oh, I want to be like my big brother or whatever. But in a situation like that, what's it like growing up with that? He, uh, of course, he stayed in trouble even years after that. Um, just I and out of a lot of trouble. But uh, you know, it's something uh, I, we never discussed. I never talked to my mother about it. You know, I always wanted to let her bring it up, and she never did bring it up. But she never knew that what I heard. You know the the tears and the begging. Please don't take him. So it was uh, it, it was tough, but uh, it just one of those things you just deal with. And so you went out. You I mean, when when were how where were you? When were you um, that you kind of just said, "Hey, I'm going to give this prison thing a try." I, you know, I, I really it it was just something like just God dropped in my spirit. Um, and I didn't know how to get involved. I didn't know anybody was doing prison ministry didn't whatsoever. But I knew it was a just a, a an ache or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I went to a prayer meeting um, one night. Didn't even know the people. And uh, we were taking prayer requests. And at the end, I said, uh, you know, you need to pray for me. I said, God just speaking to me about prison ministry. And there's a guy in the back, never forget his name, Al Nagy. He spoke up and said, you want to go to prison? I felt, well, sure. He said, well, meet me Sunday night. 
you know, tell me where to meet and I will, you can go with me. <laughs> and so it went down to Tucker uh, prison. Uh, back then it was young, young inmates, you know, 20 and below. And uh, I thought I was going to go down there and just kind of participate just to help him. But instead, we got down there and they put me in a room with about 10 guys and said, just talk to them by myself. <laughs> but I knew when I got through it, I mean, it was it was in me. It was uh -huh. in that, me to do. That must have been a scary moment. Just, you know, I remember trying to pump myself up, talking to them, make, uh, make myself feel comfortable. But as the, as the conversation went along, I just thought, man, this is this is no different from being in Sunday school class. <laughs> and it was just, and it was, it, it, God just used it to, to say it's, it's going to be okay. How old were you at that time? I was in my uh, early 20s, probably mid-20s. Okay. Yeah. And then what what kind of happened after that? You keep going back? Yes. Oh, yeah. It became uh, uh, twice a month. We would go down there and uh, the chaplain would we'd open up with a song and and he, and he would just divide the guys up. Uh, the, the what They call free world. We're free world. They would divide the free world guys up. And they said, you go to this room, you go to that room. And then they would send guys to you. And you would just sit there and do a, like a Bible study or let them share or whatever. And so then it progressed from there uh, to other things. Uh, going down, my, my wife was going with me and she would sing and, and we developed a team. And so we were actually traveling all over the state to different prisons, doing church services. And, and um, I later became a uh, CRA, what they call CRA, uh, certified religious assistant. Back then, they called it a volunteer chaplain. And so, it, which gave me access to the prisons. I can go into the prisons, go back and visit. And so, and so, uh, and just kept developing and just, you know, just God just opened up the doors and still does. So how many prisons have you been in in Arkansas then? Uh, the only one I hadn't been in is um, Malvern and, uh, and the one in Newport. So you've made all the rounds. Then, yeah. yeah, those are the <laughs> only ones. And hopefully you'll get into those. <laughs> so. so when you when you talk about going in a room with a, with a group of inmates, what I mean... A lot of people, they're scared to death to lead a Bible study or a life group or anything like that. What, What's kind of going through your head at that minute? I mean, you said that you went in there kind of all ready to go there, and then yeah. you kind of realized it was different. Yeah. It, it was just, like I said, it just, you know, it, you didn't know what to expect. You didn't know what, you know, somebody's going to beat you up or, you know, whatever. But then you realize a lot of these guys who come out the church, a lot of them have been church people. They have been in, have been in church. A lot of them will tell you, you know, I used to go to church. I used to preach. I used to be a Sunday school teacher or whatever. And so they've had the experience and they've got off track. And so it's just being available. And of course, you know, during that process, um, I remember I got away from God myself for a couple of years. And... And I remember when the, the, the day I come back to the Lord, you know, I called the chaplain. I said, I want to come back. And, you know, it just, and I didn't want to lose that passion. And, but it became different after that because before it was like, I'm the preacher, you're the, you're the inmates. Now it's, hey, we're in this thing together. And, and because the, God, the grace that God showed me, you, you give to them.
and and uh, and there's no judgment. So when when you go in there, are how many people are going into the prisons on a regular basis with you? I mean, is it a? I have a um, right now uh, since I've been going to New Life, we um, they appointed me to the the head of chaplain, the prison ministry. Right now, I've got four to five guys that go with me to do church service, and that's that's rewarding because uh, I, I love to see people operating their gift and to let them sh- share. You know, I think the height of arrogance is when I think I got more something more important to say than you do, <laughs> and so it's it's really great to let them share, and whatever time's left over, I'll close it out, and so just to watch these guys operate and in their gift, it, it blesses me. Now, I know that you said when you started, you just met up one Sunday night and went. The process is a little bit longer now. Yes. Oh, because you have to be vetted. You have to, I mean, the going now, like if you want to go, I'd have to, you have to go through a uh, name, birthday, uh, social security number. You have to go through all this process and uh, to be, and a lot, a lot of the guys, uh, that's why that's why I've learned the people I take with me. I just don't say, "Do you want to go?" <laughs> uh, you know, I thought about how Jesus pick handpicked his disciples, and that's what he's impressed me to do is handpick and just don't say, "Hey, I, I want to go to prison," but you know, be around them, see their heart, then say, "Hey," and drop it on them. And say, "Hey," you know, think about prison ministry sometimes. And if they come back to you and say, you know what, I think that's a God thing, then I say, okay, let's let's do it. But it's it's, you know, I've, I've made a mistake of taking the wrong people. And what I call getting notches on your Bible, we <laughs> want to go down and see how many people we can get saved. But a lot of them get saved three or four times a month. You know? <laughs> and so that's not the mission, right? Um, I think. Um, the reason I brought this Bible, um, yeah, when Tucker Max, uh, Death Row used to be at Tucker Max, I, I went there for many years. And uh, there was an inmate there that, uh, and when God, when I went down there, God told me, he says, don't go with the preacher, go with a friend. And I didn't understand that, but I just, <laughs> and so I found myself just going from cell to cell and talking, just let them talk what they want to talk about. And there was one particular inmate, um, didn't talk to anybody. He, I, he sure didn't talk to me. And one day I walked by a cell and I said something to him. I said, about a motorcycle. I don't know a thing about motorcycles. <laughs> I don't know how to start one. And he said, uh, boy, he jumped up out of his seat and he came over and just started talking and we had a conversation. <laughs> I'm going, okay, this worked. And so you learn this when you walk up to their cell, if they're sitting on their, what they call their house, their bed, if they don't get up, they don't want to talk to you. And so the, and Earl uh, would never get up until the next time I came down there after I talking about the motorcycle and he was standing there waiting on me. <laughs> and, um, and so when uh, he was finally executed and the chaplain called me and said, uh, Earl left you his Bible. And so I went and picked it up and uh, left it. He said, no, it didn't hear. I still have it. And uh, the last thing he said in the note was, thanks for being my friend when I needed one. And it confirmed what God told me to do, just be, be a friend. And so I was able to share things with him. And 
And there's been numerous stories like that that, you know, that God blessed me with. And I think that's one of the things we as Christians, we start to overthink. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got to know the Bible inside and out before yeah. I talk to Jesus, talk to talk about Jesus to anyone and all this. And so many people are just, they just need a friend. Sure. And especially um, we, we do a lot of work with those that are experiencing homeless. Uh -huh. And so many of them, no one wants to sit around and listen to them. Yeah. No one wants to just hear what in the world has gone on in their life or whatever. And so many times it's just amazing just how they've survived to this point, <laughs> let alone how they're not in prison mm -hmm. or in a mental institution or dead or, or whatever. They have this desire for more. They just need those people that are willing to come around them and, and just listen. And, and they, want to, they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I like doing when, put, when I go, uh, like we're uh, we're at Delta Unit uh, most recently, and and uh, and I said, "Has anybody got anything they want to say?" And he's one after one, you know, <laughs> several of you stand up. And, I want to thank God for this. And one guy stood up and said, "I'm just I'm so glad I've been praying for for this to happen, and we have an opportunity to, to share." And so they like to be heard too, mm -hmm. and. Um, Speaking of Delta Unit, my, my wife passed in uh, February 20th. And just before that, I was down at Delta Unit. And and um, and I was sharing, you know, pray for my wife. Um, when I got through, I was by myself that particular night. And I got through, about 15 of them gathered around me. And they said, we want to pray for you. And that really got me, you know, that they're going to pray for me. I'm, I'm supposed to be there for them. <laughs> they're there for me. And so it, it, you know, they just want to be able to minister. They want mm -hmm. to be able to, to share. And so given that opportunity, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you mentioned early on about the families that are left out there. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people forget about them and, and the need for ministry there and, and all of that. What, I mean, what, what are some of the stories you have from that world? Uh, actually, as a, I mentioned as a CRA, we're not allowed to communicate outside with families. Uh, actually, when they get out, we're not supposed to. In, in my position, I, I'm not allowed to, uh, unless they come to church. I can pick them up and bring them to church. Like we have one particular guy at our church uh, we minister to down at the prisons, and he's he's going to our church now and. And I see him every Sunday. He always come check in. He always checks in with me. <laughs> I love it because I'll be because I'm I'm greeting or ushering, and he'll always look for me and just let me know. Let me know he's there. And uh, and when he's not there, he'll let me know. Hey, I just I had I was out of town this week or whatever. But uh, again, it's uh, you don't know. I, I yeah I don't know the impact I have on families. Oh, we have the impact on families. Uh, no, really, a way of knowing. A lot of them do get out and they do contact me, and uh, so it, it's it's good. And we've we've spoken to several other people, uh, uh, Terry Williams at City of Faith, and, and some others that they're that reentry point. Mm -hmm. So they're that that transition from prison back out into the real world, and it's it's so hard for them because it's they're in that government transition time. You yeah. can't really spend a whole lot of time sharing Jesus with them. It's just got to be through the relationships and the actions. Yeah. 
We had an inmate uh, several years ago. Um, he was getting out, didn't have a ride to Little Rock to, to get home. He lived in Fort Smith. His wife worked for the church where, when he went to church. And so I went down, picked him up, brought him to the bus station in, in, Little, in North Rock there. And, and he uh, calls me when he gets home. He said, when he got home, he went over to the church to see his wife. His wife said, it's going home. I'll be there in a few minutes. And he said, when he got home, he sat in the middle of the living room floor and he couldn't do anything because he was so used to being told every day what to do, when to get up, when to go to bed, when to eat. And he, the only thing he knew was to sit in the middle of the floor. And so, uh, and you can, I, I don't understand that because I've never been there. Uh -huh. But you could tell it, it just, he didn't know what to do. And uh, they tell us if they go in at 20 years old and they spend 10 years in prison, when they come out, they're still 20 because that's that's all they know. Mm -hmm. They don't know. They hadn't grown material-wise. So when, when you're going into the prisons and you're doing this, what's the opportunity with just the the warden and the guards and, and, and that, because I mean, I can imagine being in that leadership type position, you get pretty jaded. Yeah. I don't know if I can answer your question, but, uh, but we're, we're required as a CRA, you know, they tell us to minister to the, the officers also. And, uh, and we don't call them guards, we call them officers. And, uh, they're, they, they needed to, and just uh, and, and you got officers that know Jesus, but they're they can't show any kind of favoritism mm -hmm. because they'll use it against them. You know what I'm saying? So if they try to be nice to them, you know they'll use that. Well, I thought you was a Christian type thing, and so uh, so the, oftentimes the officer will say, "Can you talk to so and so? Can you go down there and talk to this guy?" And they'll help you, and lead you to uh, the people to talk to. And, uh, and I, I can remember uh, down at Pine Bluff one time, uh, I did church service, getting ready to leave, and the guy said, the officer said, uh, we got a guy back in the back and tried to commit suicide. Would you go back there and talk to him? I thought, sure. Well, see, I didn't know what to expect. So I go in this room by himself, there's a mattress there, He's sitting on that mattress with nothing, no clothes on, no whatsoever. Now that's a strange situation. <laughs> to, to sit on that mat with him and share things with him. Um, so sometimes you're called on the uh, that stretches you, you mm -hmm. know, and that you really have to depend God on God to, for answers. And and if it's best to say I don't know, then just try to make up something. You know, just to be honest with them, I don't know, I don't have an answer for that, and just be honest with them. They they detect um, somebody who's real mm -hmm. and somebody who's not. You know, they, they're cons. Oh, okay. They don't call, they don't they they don't call them cons for nothing. Okay, <laughs> some of them, what they call running games. They, mm -hmm. they 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 try to get things out of you, not because they want it. It's just it's a game to them. Right. They try to beat you. They'll try to beat the system. And so you learn that, and uh, and sometimes you got to get hooked by those games before you learn it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been in the prisons for thirty plus years, I guess. Uh, somewhere between forty and forty-five, probably. So 
from that early day till now, what what have you seen different? Uh, as far as the inmates? Or? Are, I mean, because one of the things we talk about here, we have a lot of kids that when they graduate, they're looking at before they're 21, they're either going to be dead or in prison. Yeah. They just, they can't see yeah. any, any distance in front of their own nose, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, when, I mean, the inmates that are in there, are they younger than they used to be? Are they more extreme than they used to? I mean, what's, what's, what's kind of changed inside there? It's a, uh, I don't know much difference. Uh, it's, I think I, what I, what I see from experience is when I, when I deal with these guys or when they admit that they, they were wrong and they say, I'm here because I deserve to be here. They get help. It's the ones who say, if I'd had a better lawyer, you know, <laughs> they, they really don't have the evidence, all these things, they don't seem to get help. They, they're, Many times they return back. It's the ones who, who say, you know, I'm here and I want to, I want to get out of here and I want to make a difference. I want to be different. I want to be be be, be a, a good husband again. I want to be a good father again. And uh, they don't come back. They they make a difference. So, someone that kind of has this heart to, I want to I want to make a difference in someone's life or whatever. What's what's the best way for them to kind of get plugged in with you? Because because it's a process. Yeah, it's it's sure. not just I want to do this and we can go in. Yeah. What what's the best way to kind of get plugged into to figuring if this is something? Yeah, for I had them? A, I'm glad you brought that up because a few months ago I had a young man call me and didn't know him, and he called me and he said, uh, you know, I heard you're going to prison. I'd like to go with you. And I said, I don't know you. And he said, Well, let's get let's have lunch, and you can get to know me. I said, No, I, that don't help. You just have lunch with somebody. You just, that doesn't mean I know you. It's like I said, it's spending time with that person, being around that person and seeing him, the the real him, the real person. Uh, that means a lot to me. And so, you know, it may be some time, maybe months before I ever, yeah, I feel like, hey, you know, would you, are you willing to go with me? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's something I don't advertise at church. Even at church, even uh, what we call lunch at, at church, mm-hmm. you know, they ask, "Do I want to set up a table?" I said, "No," <laughs> because I've made those mistakes. Like I said mm-hmm. before, I made those mistakes of just saying, "If you want to come, just let me know," and they go down there, and, and it's it's disastrous. <laughs> so the best way to get involved with it is get to know Ron. <laughs> yeah. I, or just or get to know some, you know somebody that's in that ministry, and just uh, I mean it's out there. There's they're always needing help, and like I said, there's several prisons in our state. Many, many I can't tell you how many, but we've got several in our state, and there's all kind of need for help. But if you go in that attitude with I want to put not just on my Bible, like I said, you know it's, it's the wrong motive. <laughs> you know it's uh, this young man that called me. He said, you know. You know, I gotta. I want. I want to see people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought, you know, that sounds good. <laughs> but you know, it's being available. Just saying, look. And one one of the thing I teach you at the prison, the and when we go through, we have to go through classes also, and some training classes, is your presence is a, is important. If you if you're gonna be down there on a particular night, you be there. Mm-hmm. And I, I can have to, every time we go, 
there'll be several come to you and say, thanks for taking your time out to be here. You know, for you to come, you know, and spend, take your time means a lot to them. Because some of them don't have families. Some of them don't, uh, some of them are families that have disowned them. And so it means a lot to them. So Ron, I thank you for taking the time yes. just to share with us a little yes. bit about I love that. your God-given passion, so it's to speak. A, and and thank you for what you do. Yeah. It's, so. a, you know, it's a passion, but it's, you know, it's got to be a calling. I mean, <laughs> It, I mean, it's more than just, I want to do it. It's, it's just something God puts in you. And you'd rather do it than eat. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on the Every Arkansan podcast. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about so that we can help you chase after your God-given dream. In the meantime, you can like, subscribe, and share this on social media. Check with us next week for another inspiring story of Arkansans chasing their dreams.